And I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 2, the New Testament letter to the Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 is where we'll begin our reading. And as you turn there, I want to again say how good it is, amen, to be together with the family of God. I love my church family. How many love the Refuge Church family? Amen. There's something special about this church family. We're privileged to be a part and uh, so glad to have every one of our guests. Refuge, would you let our guests know how glad we are that they're here today? Amen. We're excited every time we get to have a new unfamiliar face among us. And among those, amen, is Brother Justin Root who has been here before for Tent Revival, and his beautiful wife. We're so glad they're both here, visiting from out of town. God bless you both. Amen, amen, amen. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. You know, we just got through uh, with youth camps and kids camp, and uh, amen. I vividly remember during our time uh, working on the Illinois Youth Ministries team, seeing uh, some young men and young ladies grow up here in the Illinois district and uh, give their hearts to the Lord on the Illinois district campgrounds, of which Brother Justin Root is one of those young men. And uh, it is awesome to see what the Lord is doing in his life today. And uh, just excited for both of you to see the purpose of God unfold in your lives. Amen. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11. The Bible says, in whom? In who? In Jesus Christ. In whom also ye, someone say, that means me. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. This isn't a physical or natural operation, but it is the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of of Christ. Verse 12, how is this spiritual operation performed? The Bible says that we are buried with him. With who? With Christ, with Jesus. We are buried with Jesus Christ, how? In baptism. Wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him. Who? Jesus from the dead and you, someone say that means me, you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh but has now quickened that means made alive together with him with who? With Jesus Christ having forgiven you what? All trespasses he has forgiven you all your trespasses amen there was, a, there was a gated area with a big sign that said no trespassing on it. And you completely ignored that sign. We all did. We went right into that territory that God had no intention for you to be in. But now you've come back. And God says, you have trespassed against me, but I've forgiven you all those trespasses when you were buried with me in the waters of baptism. Oh, someone say, thank you, Lord. Praise God, praise God. Amen. I want to talk to you, teach today on this subject, 
in covenant with the Lord. In covenant with the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for what you have done already in this place. Your spirit has moved and ministered here among us. Lord, you see the needs that are represented in this place. And even those, Lord, that desire to be here but are unable to be here due to sickness, believing that you will stretch your hand of mercy to their bodies even right now. And by your stripes, they are healed in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, for each and every person under the sound of my voice and those that will hear the recording of this message, that their hearts will be ready to receive with meekness this word that is able to save their souls. I pray that you will help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and help me to speak your word and not my own, to share the message from God, from the heart of God, with the love of God, to the people of God. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord, in covenant with the Lord, in covenant with the Lord. Now, I'm running a risk on this Sunday teaching you a little Bible study, but I believe that this Bible study is intended by God for the salvation and the eternal transformation of someone, someone's soul. God has always wanted a relationship with mankind. From the very beginning, we see this played out as God formed man from the dust of the earth. Just, just those very words depicts contrast between man and all other of creation. All other creation was brought about by the spoken word of God. But we see that God becomes intimately involved with the creation of man, where he puts his hands into the dirt. He forms from the dirt man. He breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This man was created in the image of God, in the likeness of God. He created him. The Bible shows that he walked with man in the cool of the day. Before things got busy, before things heated up, he would walk with man. There was relationship. But that relationship was broken because of trespass, because of disobedience. There was a no trespassing sign, so to say, put on one tree within the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said of every tree that you see, you could eat freely of it, but of this tree that you are going to tend, you are not going to eat of it. It belongs to me. We see woman was deceived. She took it. She gave to her husband. He ate also. And this act of sin or of disobedience broke the intimate relationship that God had with man. It introduced shame. It introduced fear, fear of God. It introduced guilt to mankind's conscience. But we see even in the weighing out of judgment in man's disobedience as God deals with it, we find that there is a promise, that there is a covenant that is given. We are told that the seed of the woman 
his heel would be bruised, or an offspring or a child that would be born of a woman, his heel would be bruised. But the head of the seed or the offspring of the serpent of Satan, his head would be bruised. We notice that there is a a fatal blow that is dealt to the seed of the serpent, but only a temporary wound that is dealt to the seed of the woman. We see this played out when Christ was crucified and he was buried, but he rose again on the third day, victorious eternally over death, over hell, over the grave, that sin had no place in him and Satan could not keep him. But we find that he was resurrected. The blow, the wound was only temporary, but the blow that was dealt to Satan and to his kingdom was eternal. We are facing even today a defeated foe when we fight against the kingdom and the powers of darkness. But we find even beyond the Garden of Eden that man is looking to have relationship restored with mankind. We find it with Noah when all the earth was wicked and God looked upon the face of the earth and he saw a man whose name was Noah who was just and upright and found grace in the sight of God and God made a covenant with Noah. This is how God's relationship is best described in the Bible. Everyone say covenant. Covenant might not be uh, a word that you use in your modern day vocabulary on a daily basis, but covenant is what best describes biblically, scripturally, what God desires to have with man. Covenant is a fancy word for a testament or a will, an agreement that goes into effect by the death of a party. We see this enacted not only with Noah, but then with Abraham. Now this is where it gets very significant because the covenant or relationship or the agreement that God makes with Abraham, he says that you are going to have many children and that your family is going to bless all the nations of the world. He goes on to make and reestablish that covenant with Abraham's son Isaac and then Isaac's son Jacob, who later become comes known as Israel, and all of his family or descendants become known as the Israelites or the Jewish people. This is the family that God designed for him to be in covenant with for the purpose of blessing all the families and the nations of the world. He even goes as far to make a covenant with one of the children of the offspring of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and his name was David. And he said that there will never fail to be a ruler on the throne of Israel and of Judah that comes from none other than David's house. And we find the fulfillment of this in Bethlehem, which is the city known as the city of David, where David was born. And to a virgin, a young lady, was born a son whose name was Jesus, who was supposed or thought of as the child of Joseph. And Joseph was a son of David, of the line of Judah, from the family of Israel, from the family of Isaac, and from the family of Abraham. God established relationship with mankind, and it would flow through a covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a covenant. When he initiated this covenant with Abraham, he said that it is established and it goes into effect because I swore it, God says. I made the covenant. 
but you are going to have this covenant with me, and it's enacted by your faith, but it is shown through your submission and obedience, and all the men are going to be circumcised of your house. In fact, we see in Acts chapter 10, that circumcision still differentiates the Jews or the Israelites from everyone that is not Jewish. Peter goes to the house of Cornelius, and there he takes with him, the Bible records some believing of, uh, among the circumcised or Christian Jews. He takes them with him. Now keep this all in mind because we find ourselves in Colossians where the Bible says in whom we are circumcised not with the circumcision made with hands but without hands of the heart. And this is enacted by being buried with Christ in baptism. What we are told through Colossians is that we enter into covenant with God through baptism. We may not have been descendants of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. We may not be Jewish by birth, but we are still able to be sons of God in covenant with him by a covenant that is established by the blood of Jesus and that is enacted in our lives by being buried with Jesus in baptism. Baptism is a sign of the new covenant as circumcision was the sign of the old covenant. It is necessary to be baptized in order to be saved. Baptism is not simply an optional piece of equipment on the Christian's life, but it is a necessary part of salvation. You don't have to take my word for it. Listen to the words of Christ Quoted in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, after he tells his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized, the same shall be saved. You don't have to understand this completely to obey it immediately. But as soon as someone begins to understand that baptism is necessary for salvation, who has never been baptized before, it's important that you take upon this mark of the new covenant in baptism. Someone say amen. We see this all throughout the book of Acts. In fact, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 on the day of Pentecost, Peter is preaching a message to a group of people. He preaches a short message and he tells them about Jesus Christ and how he was crucified, buried, and rose again. And those that heard him were pricked in their heart and, and they asked Peter, what do we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And the Bible records the reaction of the crowd. In verse 31 it says, and they gladly received his word and were baptized. The same day were added 3,000 souls. 3,000 people in one day heard the message about Jesus Christ and understood that they needed to be baptized to be saved and that they would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and they gladly received the word, and they were baptized. We find that Philip was a preacher, and he was out in the desert or wilderness, and he, he spots an Ethiopian man that's returning from Jerusalem, and he talks to him, and he teaches him about Jesus from the book of Isaiah. And as they went on their way in Acts chapter 8, verse 36, the Bible says they came to a certain water. 
And the Ethiopian says, there's water here. What's stopping me from being baptized? And Philip told him, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they both went down into the water. And the Ethiopian was baptized by Philip. Why? Because he heard the message. He believed and he was baptized. And he was baptized because it was necessary to do so in order to be saved. We also see in Acts chapter 10, and I've already referred to Peter coming to Cornelius, who was a Gentile, coming to his house and him preaching Jesus Christ to them. And the Bible says as he spoke, as the words were coming out of his mouth, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he looked, Peter looked out to his comrades, the Jewish Christians, and he said, see that they've received the Spirit just like we. Does anyone stop, would anyone stop them from being baptized? Nobody said a word. And Peter looked at them and commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. He commanded them. Why? Because it's necessary for salvation. Because it's that important. We also see in Acts chapter 19 where the Apostle Paul comes in contact with a group of 12 disciples in Ephesus. And he starts off the conversation by asking if they've ever received the gift of the Holy Ghost. They said, we've never even heard about the Holy Ghost. He said, well, how were you baptized? They said, we were baptized by John the Baptist. He said, well, that's great. But even John the Baptist said that you're to believe on him that would come after him. That is on Jesus Christ. And when they heard this, the Bible says that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul then laid his hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues and prophesy and the number of men was about 12 in Acts 19. So we see the immediate response. This is, this is very important, church. Hear me right now. This is very important as we, as we make our way through the waters of the 21st century in Christendom and all throughout secular society and we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and we understand that it's eternally important to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord. And the way that we obey this is through our own death and repentance our own burial in baptism and our own resurrection and the infilling of the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's important that we understand not only the necessity, but hear me right now, the urgency of the new birth. Does anyone understand that tomorrow is not promised? Whether we leave this world by grave or by rapture, we are not promised tomorrow. That is why, that's why it's eternally important when people hear the gospel that they obey the gospel of Jesus Christ immediately or with urgency. We don't schedule baptisms a long ways out. Why? Because we believe that baptism is necessary to be saved. And if someone believes that baptism is necessary to be saved, then why would you put it off to a further date only to risk the loss of your own soul? Did not Christ say, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved? Here at the Refuge Church, we don't baptize people once a year or even just twice a year. We baptize people when they see it in Scripture and they obey, obey it by faith immediately and say, listen, I need the name of the Lord on my life to wash away my sins. Someone say amen. 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 
We see baptism as urgent, as important, as necessary. Why? Because the purpose of baptism is for the remission of sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, I've already referenced how the crowd on the day of Pentecost was convicted by what Peter had said. And they asked Peter, what do we do? And Peter replied by saying, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. Remission of sins, what? What is that? And what does that mean? Acts chapter 22 and verse 16 reads it this way. When Paul is reflecting on his own conversion, he said, I remember when Aeneas asked me, why are you waiting? Get up and be baptized. Why? To wash away your sins. How? Calling on the name of the Lord. You see, the remission of sins, to be baptized, it's for the remission of sins or the removal or the pardon of sins. And we do that in the name of the Lord. How is this made possible? I'm so glad you asked. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, it says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The only way that the remission or removal or the pardon of sins is possible is by the shedding of blood. So this is why Jesus died on the cross. This is why he shed his precious blood. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 26. That Jesus is with his disciples. That's what's known as commonly as the Last Supper. He's sharing one last meal with them before he is crucified, buried, and rises again from the dead. And while he is sharing this meal with his disciples, he took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples. Hear me now. And he said, take, eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup. Verse 27. And he gave thanks, and he gave it to them. And he said, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood in the New Testament, the covenant, the contract, the agreement, which is shed for many, for what? For the remission of sins. He said, my blood that is about to be shed is for the remission of sins to establish a new covenant, a new testament, a new agreement with people that I love. When we are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is like we owed a debt that it was impossible for us to pay off. And thankfully, the Lord who, who paid a debt that he didn't owe, he comes and takes takes effect in our place on the cross. When we respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ in obedient faith, it is like we are cashing a check written out for our debt that has the ability to completely pay off the impossible debt that we owe. And that check, if properly endorsed, when it is administered in the name of Jesus Christ. Hear me closely. The Bible says that we are buried with Christ. But listen to how we are baptized. When the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he is dealing with an issue in the church. Some people are saying, well, I was baptized by Apollos and I was baptized by Paul. And they were trying to boast of who baptized them as though Christ was divided. And he said, listen up. He said, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? The, it was a rhetorical question. The answer is no. He said, pay no attention as to the who 
baptized you or the person's name that baptized you as though that gives some kind of great credit to your conversion. But no, rather, what was the name of the one that was baptized, that you were baptized in? It's the name of the one who was crucified with you. It makes sense that we are baptized in the name of the one who was crucified for us. And what is his name? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. To be baptized fulfills part of that new birth where Jesus said in John chapter 3 that we must be born of water and of the Spirit in verse 5 in order to enter into the kingdom of God. He says that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. When you are baptized, what you are doing is you are joining the church. It's not when you signed a membership covenant. It's not when you shook the minister's hand. How do we join the church? The Apostle Paul says it clear, clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body. He says, just like your human body has a lot of members, but it's just one body, though it's many members, the hand, the feet, the arms, the legs, the torso, the nose, the eyes, the ears, but it's one body. He says, so also is Jesus Christ. He's one body, even though he's many members. All of you are members of the one body, which is Christ Jesus. He says, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles. He says, the way that you join the church, the way that you become a part of the church is by being baptized into the body. Here he's referring especially to that of spirit baptism. But this is also implying or what is implied in Ephesians chapter 4 where it says there is one Lord, there is one faith, and there is one baptism. What he's referring to is the baptism into the body which is two-part. It's being born again of water and the Spirit. We are baptized or made a part of the body of Christ. When we are baptized by immersion in water in the name of Jesus, and when we are filled with the gift or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we become a part of the church. My question for you today, every one of you, guest and member alike, is are you a member of the church? The way you become a member of the church, yes, we have discipleship and membership courses here at the Refuge Church. We have a membership covenant. We have an expectation that members come regularly. We have an expectation that members uh, uh, uphold or, 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 or support the work of the church through tithe and offerings. But more than all of that, the way that you become a member of the body of Christ is by being baptized into the body, by being born again of water and the Spirit, by taking upon the name of Jesus in baptism, by being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost or being baptized with the Spirit, with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues. This is what the, listen, you could, you don't have to take my word for it. What I'm doing here is giving you a Bible study of what the Word of God says. Why? Because it's not my word that's going to judge you on the day you stand before the Lord. It's the Word of God, and it's time that you and I become familiar with what the Word says, not what a creed says that's made by a man, not what a denomination says that's joined together as an organization. No, but what does the Word say? What does the Word of the Lord say pertaining to my salvation? That's what's important. 
I'm preaching. I'm preaching not for the fear or in the fear of man or for the favor of man. I'm preaching because I care about the souls that I've been called to teach and preach to. I care about whether you go to heaven or whether you go to hell. I care about the eternal destination of your soul. It matters to me. It doesn't matter whether or not you're my friend. It matters whether or not what I'm preaching to you is true. Because it's the truth that can set you free. It's the truth that can save your soul. Somebody say amen. amen. You talk about here we are, 4th of July week, and we're celebrating America's independence from Britain rule or, or, or the United Kingdom. But, but hear me right now. If we're to celebrate any independence here at the Refuge Church, it's the independence or the freedom from sin and the bondage thereof to this world. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hear me today. I know that some of us here, we dress up well. We look good. But our past is just as marred and mucky as anybody that's walked through this door. Don't don't try to judge us. Just like you might be thinking we're judging you. It's, it's a two-way street. I've come to tell you that there are testimonies in this place of people that were bound by alcohol and bound by drugs and living a life of immorality. But the Lord came and picked them up. And the Lord caused their whole life to change by becoming a new creature in Christ Jesus. How do I get in Christ? It's by being baptized into the body of Christ. Somebody say amen. We are buried with Christ in baptism. We are buried with him. Don't you know, the Apostle Paul tells the Romans in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with Jesus by baptism into death. Listen on. It says, just like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. We've been planted together in the likeness of his death. We should also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin anymore. He says the people that are baptized, they're buried. And what they've done is they've put to death the old man. It's not talking about a, like an actual aged elderly man. It's talking about the, pe the person we used to be. Or for some of us in this room, the person that we are right now. He says, but when you are baptized, what you're doing is you're taking the person that you are or that you were and you're putting him to death. Just like Christ was crucified, you're taking that, those desires. How many knows that even, even in someone that is an alcoholic, they hate their alcoholism? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Even someone that's a drug addict that, 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 that spends all they have for their next fix and, and sells every, everything that they have just to make a little bit of money for their next fix. How many knows that even the drug addict hates their addiction? That somewhere in the heart and the soul of that dear, precious person is a hatred for the person that they become or the things that they do and the, how they've hurt people. 
Sure, there's a part of them that has become blind and, and, and increasingly more and more selfish to the point that they, they hurt people. They, they hurt their own family members, their own spouse, just to satisfy their cravings and their addiction. And there's that part of them that is completely governed and a slave and a servant to those desires. But you can't convince me that inside of each and every one of those type of people, there is a person that says, I hate this. I want this to stop. Sure, I enjoy the pleasure, but it's for a season. It's just for a short time. I hate what it has caused me to do and to become. And there's this war. And what Paul is telling the Romans, the church in Rome, he says that part of you that just gave in and caved into those desires and then temptations, he said what you did is you drug him to a cross and you nailed him there with Christ because he was crucified for you. And so you are taking the desires of that person that is in you, that fleshly desire, that fallen and sinful nature, and you've crucified him, And after you've done that, there's got to be a burial because something has died. You've got to bury that man in the waters of baptism. Here at the refuge, we do not believe in baptizing people that are living. What I mean by that is... When someone wants to be baptized here at the Refuge Church, I tell them there's two things that's necessary. You've got to have faith that Jesus Christ, he alone is the Savior. It is he who died for you, was buried, and rose again, and he's alive today. You believe that his atoning sacrifice was spent for you, and you've got to repent. The second thing is to repent and say, Lord, I am sorry for what I have done. I understand that the way I have been living is anything but godly. It is anything but pleasing to you. And Lord, I am sorry, and I right now want to make you the Lord of my life. That means you have complete order. You have complete rule. I am submitted to your word. I don't want to be the person I used to be. The person I used to be is now dead with Christ. And so now I need to be buried in baptism with Jesus Christ. You see, when we baptize people, we're baptizing the dead person. We're baptizing the person that repented and died out to the world and said, that's not who I want to be. That person is going to be dead. I used to be dead in sin but now I want to be dead to sin. I used to be alive to the desires and the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. That's what I used to go after, but now I'm shutting that off. I'm turning it off. I'm walking away from it, and now it's time to be buried. And when you put, put that person under the water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is enacting the remission of sins. His blood is now being washed over your soul, and it's wiping away all the sin that you have accumulated in your life. Oh, hear me now. And when you come up out of the water, there's no sin, there's no shame, there's no stain any longer. You are clean before the eyes of God as though you have never committed sin in your life. Ooh, what 
a glorious thing. What a glorious thing it is to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the sign that you are in a covenant relationship with the Lord. The, 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 the best way that I could, I could give you a parallel of what a covenant is, it's like a marriage. When a man and woman come to the altar and they give vows to each other and they say words like leaving and forsaking all others, I give myself only to you. My eyes are only for you. Only death would part us. Not sickness, not depravity, not, not bankrupt, uh, bankruptedness, but no, I'm going to give myself to you no matter what times we come up against. I know that we might not always look the way we look now. I, may not, I know we might not always be as young as we are now and able to do the things, but you're with me and I'm with you and I am yours and you are mine. Woo! And when you're baptized, hear me right now. Jesus says, I'm yours and you're mine. We're in covenant with each other. Come sickness, come hell or high water. Whatever comes, Jesus says, I'm yours and you're mine. You can't walk far enough from me. You can't leave me. You might make your bed in hell, but behold, I am there. Even unto the ends of the earth, I'm there with you all. <laughs> Think about it. We see it in the Old Testament, the covenant of God with Abraham and his descendants. And you read the Old Testament, read the book of Exodus. Yes, it's exciting when God delivers the Israelites out of Egypt. It's exciting to see the Red Sea part. But how many has kept read, reading past the Red Sea and past where Miriam breaks out the tambourine and they all dance and sing and sing Moses' a song? Has anyone read past that part? And you've seen at the waters of Mara that were bitter how the people complained. And you see how even at the manna that dropped at their door each morning, they complain, they complain, they complain. They go into the wilderness and they see the cluster of grapes that has to be carried by two. It's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. But they brought up an evil report and they complained against God and they desired to go back to Egypt. But what did God do? He said, I know I'm going to have to wait a while. I'm going to have to wait till a generation dies off, but I'm not forsaking this people. I made a covenant with them. I'm in covenant with this people. And God, when you are baptized, he's in covenant with you. Oh, Nathaniel, God, he has made and pledged himself to you. He has pledged himself to you. you he, he's given you the spirit of adoption, Romans chapter 8 says, whereby you could cry, Abba, Father. Oh, my God. And it's fascinating how a person could live 10 long years doing, living on the straight and narrow, doing right, living for God. And 10 years can be shattered in one moment in weakness, caving into temptation, and you feel as though you're worthless and you're nothing, but yet that's not how God sees you. I found it interesting when I talked to a, a fellow member on the district board, Brother Terry Russell, an elder among us, and He's a pastor in Collinsville, Illinois, great man of God. He was sick last year with COVID, and he was hospitalized. He had to be intubated. And he found out after he woke up from the induced coma that he had to learn to walk again. He had to learn to use his muscles again. His muscles had atrophied. There was someone else when I was talking to him that was at the table 
that experienced this in his own life in a different way. This man, he, 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 he goes to the gym all the time, works out all the time, very physically active and very physically fit. He says it's a marvel how the muscles will atrophy in just four days. That's all it takes, four days. You can work out your whole life, and in four days on a hospital bed, your muscles will completely atrophy if not used. What could be worked for for a lifetime. I feel like I'm talking to someone here today, a precious member of, of, of the Refuge Church, that, that you've given yourself and you've poured out your life as an offering before the Lord. And God has brought you a mighty long ways, but you have hit a, 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 a roadblock. You've hit a, a stumbling block, and, and you've, you've failed and you've come up short. But you've got to remember there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. He, he, he sees where you are. You may may feel like your muscles have atrophy and you feel like you've got to walk again and you're upset at yourself because you feel like such a failure but the Lord says I made a covenant with you Sophie you can't run far enough that my covenant can't reach you where you are I love you I loved you when you were in sin and how much more do you think I can love you now that you're in my name and washed in my blood just come back to me just come back to the altar Come back to your first love. I know you and I made a covenant with you. The power of a covenant. Could you stand together with me? It's the power of a covenant. The covenant of the Lord. You're in agreement with him. And the marvelous thing about this is God has made this agreement of his own will, his own volition, his own power. Why? Because he could swear by nothing greater than himself. So he swear, swore on, him own, on his own self. He said, I'm going to make my name great in the earth. The way I'm going to do it is when people are baptized, when people take upon the name of Jesus Christ in the waters of baptism. Today we have people here I know that are interested in being baptized. But more than just this altar call being for a couple who are interested in being baptized, I wonder if this could be a message that reminds us of the significance, the glory, and the power of the baptism that we had in our past that still has power in our present. The blood that was applied in the waters of baptism is the same blood that could wash you today and can forgive you today and give you victory in your present. Would you close your eyes right now and all across this place, can we lift our hands and say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you for the relationship that you forged, Lord, with me. Lord, through your sacrifice, through your death, through your burial, through your resurrection, I come to preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing less and nothing more. But it is alone the gospel that is able to save your soul. When you respond to it in repentance, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. If you're here today and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, I implore you. I command you as the Apostle Peter to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of your sins. Today is a great day to be baptized. We have warmed up the water. We have robes. We have towels. We are ready to baptize baptize people today in the name of Jesus. Don't put off to tomorrow what should be enacted and obeyed today because your delay could mean the salvation of your soul. 
James says, if you know to do good and you choose not to do it, to you it's sin. I think baptism is a good thing. And it's something that if you know you should do and you haven't done, you should do it. But listen, don't get baptized because you feel guilted into it. Get baptized because you want to be in covenant with the Lord. Don't get baptized today because it's a trend and you see others baptized. Get baptized today because you want to bury that person you have been so that you could be resurrected into a person that Christ would make you into in his image. If you're here today and you've already been baptized, today is a good day to say, Lord, I trust you. That, Lord, you have urged my heart to a place of conviction, and I want to be renewed in my faith. I want, Lord, to understand that you have not left me, you have not forsaken me, that you are with me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I pray that the Spirit of God would move in this place right now. I want you to consider if you've been baptized, I want you to think about the day you were baptized. You might say, Pastor, I didn't know all of that when I was baptized. No, but your baptism was no less significant because what you did is you obeyed what you heard and your obedience was honored. Lord, washed away your sins. And like the day I was baptized at six years old, my baptism at six years old means more to me today than it ever has because of messages like this that I've studied for and I've read and I've considered the scriptures. <laughs> and I rejoice all over again for what the Lord has done in my life. I wonder if leading the way in this altar call can be people that have been baptized that today you just want to lift up your hands in this altar and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for washing away my sins. Thank you for allowing me to come into covenant with you. Thank you, oh Lord, for allowing me to come into covenant with the Lord. You've adopted me as your child by the spirit of adoption, and you have made me a part of your body by the baptism in your name. I said, you're the hands, you're the feet, you're the eyes, you're the ears of the body of Christ. The body on earth of Christ is far more effective today than it was 2,000 years ago when a single individual who was born in Bethlehem would walk the streets of Galilee and of Cana and do miracles. Now there are millions upon millions of believers all over the world filled with the Spirit, baptized in the name, that are seeing greater works than the works recorded in the Gospels of Jesus Christ. I said, the body is all throughout the world today, the body of Christ. If you're here today and you've never been baptized, please step out from where you're standing or sitting and come and make your way to this front area and say, Lord, here am I. Lift up your hands. 
is a symbol of surrender and say, Lord, here am I. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sins. That's it. If you want to be baptized, you must repent. You must put your faith in Christ. Come now. Come now and do that very thing. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. But come and say, Lord, here am I. Lord, I give my life to you. I want to take your name on my life in the waters dirty. of baptism. Jesus, here am I. You can make here am I, Lord. Come, come. You've your life can be hid in Christ. Your life can be hid with Christ I in God. Am clean. There's nothing too dirty.